0: everyone, and welcome back to the podcast, or welcome to the podcast if you're a new listener. I'm super excited to have you all here today, and I hope you all are so good. So I am really excited about today's episode. This episode is with Daria Kanish. She is absolutely fran fantastic. Okay, I cannot rave about her enough. She is not just a blogging coach, but she is an intuitive business coach and is building her own empire. And she is just absolutely amazing. Her content is amazing. What she brings to her community is amazing. And the way that she interacts with you, me, anyone is absolutely fran freaking So honestly, after this episode happened, like after I interviewed her, I wound up signing up for a clarity call and I was super amped about it because... Here's like a little teaser. She does some coaching on me in the episode. And I got so awkward about it because I was like, oh my gosh, like now it's like really on me and like figuring out my life. But it was so good, so, so good. So I wound up signing up for a clarity call with her. And then about a week after I signed up for that call, or maybe sooner, I just was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna sign up for her coaching program. And now I'm happy to say I'm a part of it. We have our first call tomorrow and I'm super amped, but Daria is absolutely amazing. She actually reached out to me, I want to say like a year or two ago when she first started blogging when I was in my old apartment. And I posted something about wanting to create a blog and she literally hit up my DMs with so much information about blogging and i was so thankful cuz she literally just was like let me help you like i want to help you and she's still like the same way like she's done free coaching through dms for me for quite some time now and i finally was like i want the full experience i want the full thing cuz i'm ready to up level i'm ready to shift so i know that she'll help me in that process and i've also realized i kind of need someone to push me and hold me accountable to what I say because I wind up backtracking sometimes, which is a whole nother thing we'll get into in another episode. But yeah, this this episode is absolutely fantastic. So before we get into it, before you hear all of the beautiful, wonderful information about spirituality, intuitive business, blogging, there are so many hidden gems in this episode. But before we get into it, Let's talk about what I'm grateful for and how I've put myself first today. So today I am grateful for... Hmm myself. Uh, Yeah, I'm grateful for myself because I'm really pushing myself outside of my comfort zone and I'm really tapping into my power and allowing myself to up-level in ways I only imagined before. So I'm really grateful for myself. I'm really grateful for the transitions I'm going through, through the shifts I'm going through. If you listen to episode 11, I'm pretty sure... Yeah. Episode 11, I talk about the shift. So totally listen to episode 11 to really understand what I'm referring to, but I'm really grateful for myself. I'm grateful for my shift and I'm grateful for pushing myself and how I've put myself first today. Again, my morning routine, it comes in clutch. Okay. When I do my morning rituals, when I meditate and do breath work and move my body, the energy for the rest of the day, is absolutely amazing. I feel so good. I feel so empowered and I feel motivated to take on the entire day. And I also put myself first today by making sure I ate before I have another interview coming up so I'm not starving at the end of that interview. So, two ways I put myself first today. I love those ways. They're absolutely fran fantastic I think that's my new thing, fran fantastic So, I don't want to ramble on it too much longer. You know the drill interviews are a lot more longer than my solo episodes, so I don't want to take up too much time. So let's just get into this absolutely amazing, divine, beautiful episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. So today I have Daria Kanish with me. Welcome Daria. Hey Emily, thanks for having me. You Thank you for being here. (laughs) I'm super (laughs) pumped about this interview. I've been wanting to do it for so long, so I'm really happy that this is going on. So I'm going to start off with some intro questions. So what is something that you're grateful for today?
1: Well, today I'm super grateful that I woke up at the exact time where I could watch the sunrise while sipping my matcha, and it was the most perfect morning moment I could ever imagine.
0: That sounds so beautiful. Yeah. And just cozy.
1: Oh, and then how have you put yourself first today? Well, I spend about like four hours on my morning routine. So that's pretty much my entire morning of putting myself first. It's always involving um, breath work, meditation, workout, the aforementioned botcha that I talked about <laughs> yeah. and like all these things. So I definitely like to start my day like having first filled my cup before I go speaking to clients or helping anyone else.
0: Yeah, totally. It's really good to have like a set type of thing going on for yourself. So Mm -hmm. now I'm going to also do get to know you questions. These are like speed round questions for fun. So what's your favorite form of self-care?
1: Well, normally I'd probably say something like baths because I do love them. But recently since the start of the year, probably my favorite form of self-care has honestly been discipline because I realized that once I actually implement discipline into all the things I want to do, then suddenly everything else becomes easier. I have more space in my day. I'm able to actually do that four hour morning routine, like I mentioned, and have time for myself, like my friends, family, partner, clients, and just live a life that's actually fitting what I envisioned my dream lifestyle to be instead of just having to make my business fit my life. So yeah, discipline.
0: I really like that too. Maybe we'll touch on that later on in the interview. So what is your go-to breakfast of choice? You can tell me the food, the drink, whatever it may be.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I typically don't really eat breakfast because I do intermittent fasting and I'm just not super hungry in the morning. So my breakfast is a Bulletproof matcha usually. So like, you know, Bulletproof coffee, but I do Bulletproof matcha matcha. I'm sort of known for them. I post about them all the time on stories. Yeah, you got me to buy matcha. (laughs) Amazing. My goal in life. (laughs) But other than that, probably just like a good old avocado toast or something.
0: The simple or I guess the simplicity of avocado toast. I love avocado toast and I like to throw like tomatoes, sauerkraut, whatever else on it. Um, What is a topic that you're currently learning about that really interests you?
1: Well, I'm sure we're going to talk about this later, but intuition and the science of intuition. So I've been looking through like PubMed articles, like scientific articles, and seeing what the connection is between not even just neuroscience, but also health and intuition and how all these pieces come together and how intuition is actually a vehicle for creativity. And um, I'm just so fascinated by all these concepts. And I think that there's not enough people talking about it. And intuition seems like this huge, like woo-woo concept that no one understands when we have the science to prove it and show how it works. And I want to be the one that kind of, Makes it more approachable to people who don't have the time or knowledge to be searching through all these scientific articles.
0: Yeah, totally. and I, I agree with you when you say not enough people are talking about it or not a lot of people are talking about it because I don't see that many people really talking about intuition and how to incorporate that incorporate that into your life or even how to like find intuition. I'm really excited to talk about that
1: later on. And then how have you stepped outside of your comfort zone recently?: So it might seem a little counterintuitive, but for me it's actually getting in a way, a little bit more vulnerable, but also receiving. Like I have a really hard time receiving from people, um, from from clients, from mentors, even from friends and family. And I didn't even realize how bad it was until lately. So I've been just learning to ask for help and appreciate when people do offer it versus just being like, no, I have to do things myself or no, I have to do it my way and just sort of releasing all of that. I think
0: I have a problem with receiving too, now that you mention it. I'm very much like, I don't need help. I can just figure it out on my own. And then like, I'll ask for help and then I'll feel bad for asking for help. So I'm like, never mind, (laughs) I'll do it myself. Um, And then what is your favorite aspect about yourself and why?
1: I think probably my curiosity. I've always been kind of a curious kid and it just makes life more fun and worth living when you always kind of want to go deeper on things and discover things. And it's kind of what's led me to where I am now. It's one of my core like business values as well.
0: Oh, yeah. I remember seeing that in probably like one of your posts from last week, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really love curiosity. So now I want you to just introduce yourself. Tell me who you are, what you do, all of that fun stuff.
1: Yeah. So I'm Daria. And if you forget how to pronounce it, just think Aria from Game of Thrones, but then throw (laughs) on a D at the beginning. Always (laughs) how I tell people. (laughs) So I'm an intuitive blogging and business coach. I partner with multi-passionate women and I help them create a soul line thriving business and reach 5k months quickly using my unique blend of intuition, mindset and high level strategy. And I also provide blogging courses and programs where I teach you how to create and grow your badass blog, start monetizing immediately and then turn it into a blogging business. So I kind of got two elements going on there.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. There are two elements, but you're killing it from at least my perspective of everything. So before we talk about like what you do, I want to talk about like how you got there, like your past. I really really love talking about people's journeys and how they became who they are now. So I know you said you weren't born in America, you had to like transition that whole situation. So what was your childhood like and how did that shape you into who you are today?
1: Yeah, so I am an immigrant. I was born in Ukraine and um if anyone knows about Ukraine it's definitely been in the news quite a bit. There's been a lot of economic situations, there's been wars, there's been a lot of crazy stuff happening. But when we left, it was basically because it wasn't the best economic situation and it was really hard to find a job. So basically my dad came here, my mom and I followed. And I grew up being a very creative kid, especially in those first few years before I even came to America. Like I always loved um, getting on tables and like sing poems and songs and like all the stuff. And I, love that. I was just, yeah, <laughs> I loved all of that. And I loved adults, like and adults love me. And I was always kind of like trying to fit into their areas and zones and everything. But then when I came here to America, things were a little bit different because I struggled to really find myself and to make friends. I was always kind of this, um, a little bit shy kid, but more so like insecure because every time that I would try to be myself, it wouldn't resonate because I was considered like the freak, the weird girl who came here, and like all of my traditions were different. The way I spoke was different. Um, The things I liked were different, and I just didn't understand why every time that I was just being my authentic self, that I was essentially burned. And yeah, if you can guess, I can definitely picked up a lot of trauma through that that I've had to oh, work yeah. through over the years. But throughout, so it started to. Um, it kind of like, got worse, I'd say, in middle school. Like, I definitely felt... But I think what middle school kid doesn't yeah, feel like... They yeah, middle school is you know? really rough. <laughs> yeah. But I was always kind of just trying to find like my groove. And I stumbled across science, which... I don't know if you want me to go super deep on that now, but I loved, loved, loved science, but it got me away from that creativity a bit. Like I had such a hard time balancing both aspects of myself and integrating both of those parts that I loved, like the science and the creative parts. But eventually like through college or in college, I started to really find myself and understand what it is that I liked and recognize that I don't really care if people like me or not. It's about me and it's about what I can bring to the situation, not like whether or not this person resonates with what I'm saying or what I'm doing. So I went on this long, long trip to Europe and it started this whole travel bug in me. And from there, about a year after that, I kind of just decided, you know what? I forget being a neuroscientist. I'm just going to go start a travel blog. (laughs) (laughs) And from there, it all kind of developed. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit too, but that's essentially how I even got on this path of like entrepreneurship world. And do you still like learning
0: about science and everything now? Or do you like what you have learned? Do you play it or put it into your life now?
1: Yeah, the biggest thing I learned was how to actually use the concepts of science, like essentially the scientific method, but not the way that we learned it in school and apply it to everything that I do. Because- I talk about intuition a lot, but it's also like a numbers game. You have to track your data. You have to understand what's working, what isn't. And if we're not actually experimenting with our businesses and even with our lives and seeing what works and what doesn't, then we're not getting an accurate picture of what is actually going on. And we might not be able to move forward as effectively as we might otherwise. So that's the case. And I also infuse neuroscience into Everything that I do. So, like I said, the neuroscience of intuition. I love learning about NLP, and I'm getting certified and all of those things. So, it's all connected. Like science has either proven or will prove everything that we're going to be talking about today, and that's what fascinates me so much.
0: That's so crazy. I've actually been thinking about NLP for just like a few weeks now. I've like realized thing. I realized that it existed. <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really interesting to me too. So. When you were in Europe, what transitioned you to create a blog and kind of be like, I don't want to be a scientist anymore. Like what sparked that interest?
1: It was the year long period after I went on that trip to Europe and I traveled to other places. Like I went on a, I think 10 day road trip in California with my best friend and realized how amazing that felt. And I just had this, like, I always needed freedom in my life. And I finally got a taste of what that actually felt like. And I couldn't get enough. So it was more so realizing why do I want to spend the next five years getting my PhD for this thing that is kind of what I like to do? But to be honest, like I didn't love labs. I didn't like following what the head honcho scientists were telling Mm -hmm. me to do. I didn't like sitting there like pipetting samples for hours on end. It kind of bored me. I loved learning about the concepts, but it wasn't what I actually wanted to do. So at one point it was like, oh my God, am I really going to be spending these years and years and years probably getting into debt and like only to have this, kind of mediocre job in my eyes um, and probably live that way for a long time. I always knew I'd start a blog. I always knew I'd do something different. So I'm like, why would I wait? Now is my chance when I don't have all these responsibilities and things I need to do. So it just was kind of the perfect storm. And then I was studying for a test one day and I came across this article at like 3am about a blogger who was making like 20k a month. And I was so shocked and floored that that was even possible. Mm-hmm. But immediately, immediately, I had that feeling like, well, if they can do it, I can too. And that feeling is the thing that will drive you to the next step. When you realize that someone else in your position has done it and that you can maybe do it or even do it better, like that's going to be your driving force.
0: Yeah, totally. And it, it's like really expansive too, And I was going to ask you a question about um, science again, but I can't think of it. So we're just going to move on, (laughs) move on. So do you still blog? Are you still incorporating that into your life right now? Or did you take a break from it?
1: The thing I learned about blogging is it's all about storytelling. And I don't mean treating it like a diary entry like everyone did in 2011 when blogs were like a huge thing and everyone and their mother had it. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean truly storytelling. So anytime you have concepts to bring up, anything you're trying to educate to people, infuse story into it. How can you relate this back to something that your ideal reader has experienced before and might relate to? And that's the quickest way to form a connection with someone. So what I learned through blogging was that everything, everything requires storytelling. So now I take those skills that I learned and bring it into my coaching business whenever I'm teaching my clients, whenever I'm posting on social media. But the old blog, the travel blog, it no longer really exists. It's still out there, but you it's kind of hard to find. However, I am working on a new blog now. And this blog is really just everything that I love talking about now. So it's about business, entrepreneurship, creativity, intuition wellness, practical spirituality, all these things. And I'm basically melding them together and showing people that you can be multi-passionate AF and still have a blog that makes sense and includes all of these things that you love to do. So what was the blog name again? You wound
0: up cutting out during like just when you said your blog name and I was like, what a coincidence that that's when you cut out. So what was the name of it?
1: The Wild Creative.
0: Okay. And that's your Facebook group name too, correct? Yes, it is. I really love that name. And so... With blogging, are you doing it in a way where you're just like talking about what you talk about on your Instagram or are you going to start implementing other things into it?
1: It's definitely a different strategy. So for Instagram, think about it. People are there to just scroll and get the information that they need quickly and be entertained, right? So Mm -hmm. we have to address it in that sense. Like We have to give people what they're looking for in that short 2,200 characters that you find in a caption and then along with the photo. But in blogging, you can go a lot deeper. So I definitely am a huge fan of repurposing content. So I say, write the blog post first, make it like at least a thousand words or even 3000 words. From there, you have at least two or three Instagram posts that you can literally pull from. It makes it so much easier. Not to mention, you can then simplify the concepts in there. Let's say you have like five main points. You can turn that into a short Instagram post that has these like boom, 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 one, two, three, four, five. Then turn that into an Instagram mini training or an IGTV. Then bring it into your Facebook group. And basically like your blog will be the driving source for all these other pieces that you can then repurpose it for.
0: Yeah. So they're they're similar in a way, but they're also extremely, extremely different because of the way that people are taking in the content and what they go to those platforms for.
1: Yeah. And you can get a lot deeper with blogs. So it's not always going to be like just these tips or anything. Like you can share your own personal stories. You can share what you've gone through, what um, someone might be going with. You can just share like a letter to your readers. It depends on what your blog niche really is. But with a blog, you can pretty much do anything because you're not limited by an algorithm You're not limited by people's attention spans. Like When people go and find your blog, they're ready to read. So you can really share your voice, share your personality, and get to know your readers and let them get to know you.
0: And then with niches, I think I said that correctly, with niches, how do you go about like finding a niche? Because I know that so many people are interested in either so many things or that they start something and then they realize that they don't want to do it at all. So how did you find your niche when you started blogging, like not right now, but when you started blogging?
1: Well, it's really about the fact that when you get the audience, you are able to then pivot. It's like a treat basically, but first you have to put in the work and you have to understand what your ideal reader is going to be interested in. So when I do niching, it's not like mommy fitness blogger or a travel blogger. Like that's not, that's not your niche. Your niche is the space of the internet that you belong in. Meaning like, who are you actually speaking to? What is the community that you're building? AKA, who is your ideal reader? It's something that I talk about so much, but when you know this one person so intimately, and when I say one person, it's like, it's not about demographics. It's not about how old they are, where they live or anything like that. It's really about like the core essence of who that person is, like a character that you get to invent for a novel. When you're so clear on who that character is, you can tailor your content to make them have this holistic overview of everything that you want to share. So we're all complicated humans, right? So your ideal reader is two. They don't just like one or two things. There's a whole multitude of things that they're interested in and that would, they would love to learn from you. So if you get clear in that, you get to talk about all these things as long as it will resonate with them.
0: Yeah. So that, that makes a lot of sense because you want to be able to connect with the person you want. That is reading like your blog or any of your content in general. So when you started blogging, how did that transition into you becoming a coach? Because now you're an intuitive business coach, but I know before you weren't specifically an intuitive business coach. So how did that first transition go for you?
1: So pretty much as soon as I started making any money with my blog, I think it was like my first $500. I was like, I'm going to teach this because <laughs> I thought it was so cool. I was like, oh my God, you could do, I could just make money from my couch. What? And it was the coolest thing in the world. So literally after that first like $500, I was like, I'm going to do something with this, but I thought it was going to be a course, which I didn't end up doing for like a year after. Yeah. I thought. <laughs> so, um, But I basically started following a lot of coaches, taking in a lot of podcasts, books, just learning a lot. Not specific business strategies quite yet, but more so getting inspired and hearing people's stories of how they did it. You know that quote, success leaves clues. Like that's Mm -hmm. everywhere. So I wanted my mentors to be podcast guests or hosts like yourself Ooh. and, um, <laughs> and authors and other coaches that I looked up to. So with that, a lot of them started saying like, Hey, start with a one-on-one program because you're going to get to know people's struggles and understand what they're actually dealing with. And that'll help you with your course later on. I was like, okay. So initially I didn't even think I'd be coaching because I never thought i would be something I'm good at. I was like, I'll just do this for a little while. So I get to know kind of the overall gist of what people are struggling with. And I ended up falling, falling in love with it. So I started my first coaching program about a year ago and it was kind of just thrown out there very quickly. My first client actually came to me. So I definitely like magnetized her based on just the energy that I was in and we could talk about manifestation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was so cool. And I just. I closed those five clients so easily and it felt so natural and aligned and I freaking fell in love with coaching. Like I would get on a, before a call, I would maybe be kind of sad or like not really in a good mood. And then as soon as the call was over, I would completely forget any of my own shit and just be like, I'm in this person and I just helped someone and I provided a service to them and now they're seeing results from it. And it was like this magical experience, like something shifted within me. So I immediately knew that I was going to keep going with that and um expand in so many other ways that I didn't know what that looked like. And after joining my first mastermind, I realized how much I loved business and like the business strategy. And I was like, I know blogging. Like I found success with it. It's so kind of step by step and linear. And there's that's why I called my program Badass Blogger Blueprint, because it's straight up if you follow this blueprint, like you're gonna be successful. But with business, it's like um, it's more of an art than a science actually, because it is about just what is going to work for you. How can you take your unique skills and passions and what you're interested in and create a business that actually makes sense for what you love to do instead of trying to fit this idea of a business into like things that you're interested in or things that you want to teach. I don't know if I answered your question, but I kind of just went no, to I'm pretty. Yeah, you answered my okay. question, but you also brought up... Um, so
0: we'll talk about manifestation a little bit and then we'll, but I think it'll transition into what you're doing now as well. So when you're in that feeling of feeling really aligned and attracting that client. What did that, I guess, feel like for you? Because so many people don't really understand like their feelings and what their feelings is creating for them.
1: It's a very calm energy. It's what I like to call like Amazon Prime energy. Like When you order something from Amazon Prime, you don't just be like, Oh my God, is it coming? It's two days later. Is it going to be here? Like, Where's my package? You're just kind of like, Nope, bye, okay, you expect it in two days it's it's done. I mean, couldn't something get lost in the mail and not show up? Sure I've had that happen before, but I'm not sitting there worry about worrying about it, right yeah. so it's that very calm knowing energy and i don't I, i'll tell you like i don't know how I was in that energy because i didn't know much about manifestation then. I just knew that I would close those five clients. I knew that my second launch would be my first ten k launch. It was like this inner knowing because I think that. Part of it was that I was so excited about what I was doing and so passionate about it, and that naivete almost like helped me in a way because I didn't know all the things that could possibly go wrong. And secondly, I work pretty well under pressure and I just needed to make money, like, People don't really talk about that, but sometimes you just got to do it. Like you have no other choice because I wasn't going to go back to a nine to five. So if it wasn't this, it was going to be something else. So if I wasn't going to make this work, like I would have found something else that to make work. So I might as well just figure out a a way to make this work. So it was like a mixture of those two things. Yeah. And would you
0: say that the feeling of freedom helped you like continue forward too, and like want to pursue all these things because now you were feeling like this freedom of making money and having like your own schedule.
1: I'd say a little bit, but lack of freedom was no longer an option once I got a taste of it. So I was yeah. definitely never, ever going to work for someone else. Um, not that I ever really had, like I did have, you know, like I never came from corporate, like a lot of people that was never going to be mm-hmm. me. And even in the science career, it's not a nine to five. It's like kind of a weird schedule and everything. So I was never not going to have freedom. So I wouldn't say it drove me. It was almost just inevitable.
0: Yeah, that would make sense. And like, even now, Because, like, for me, I've never worked like a nine to five, but I've worked for someone else. And then when you feel the feeling of what it's like to not work for someone else, that can completely transition where you want to go and your ambition and what you want to do. Yeah. So, with coaching and getting like a taste of coaching and seeing what it was like, what helped you continue forward with coaching, knowing that you were going in a direction that you really wanted to go in?
1: Hmm. I don't know if it's anything that really kept me going except for the fact that I enjoyed it. Like I've definitely okay. had moments where I was like, Oh my God, can I do this? Should I quit everything like F at all, you know, but again, it was almost that inevitable. Like I have to do this. What other choice do I have? Like I can pivot all I want, but I'm never going to quit. And I think it's that resilience that really gets people to the next level because there's this quote, I think it's like a meme out there where you could be, um, Like you could not have anything for five years and then on the sixth year, be the biggest thing on the planet. And that's so true because all these overnight successes that we see, you don't see the 10 years that went into before that, before they got the overnight book deal and became the number one bestseller before they, um, you know, had a hundred K launch and like hit seven figures seemingly overnight. It's like, you don't realize the work and all the, the foundational aspects that went into that.
0: Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. So when You decided to start transitioning into intuitive business coaching. How did that come up for you? Like, When did you decide to transition? And how did you know that you wanted to transition?
1: I think I kind of always knew as soon as I started like falling in love with the business aspect, I knew I wanted to teach business. And I started to. I actually had my first business client, I think only four or five months into coaching in general, but it was sort of low-key. It was kind of secret. We started off as Blog and business, like a blogging coach, and then I sort of realized you want to start a business. So I'm like, let me just try this out on you. But I realized that it wasn't just the strategy I liked teaching. Like that kind of bored me a little. Like I love it, but. I'm not just going to tell someone what to do. That's essentially consulting or teaching versus coaching. So I realized the parts that I was really good at in coaching is unraveling and and unveiling things within people that are their own success codes and clues of how they're going to get there. So recognizing that skill set that I had and what I was able to do for my clients that is just it's just different than just teaching them how to do business. There's just so much more to it that I sometimes struggle to explain if I'm being honest, because it's not something that we talk about, like I said, very often. So it was recognizing that success is not just strategy. It's like 50% strategy, 50% mindset. But when we talk mindset, like there's so much that goes into that too. So, it was just more fun to do the intuitive business because there's so many more possibilities. And you'll notice me talking a lot about fun because I'm an Enneagram 7 and it's like a huge driver in me. I always do everything. I always make everything a game. I always focus on pleasure. Um, And this was fun to me. This was enjoyable. So
0: how about you tell me a little bit more about intuitive business coaching and what it is? Because I'm sure not a lot of people really know what intuitive business coaching is.
1: Yeah, I feel you. Like I said, it's something that I struggle to describe too sometimes. But I'd say intuitive business coaching is really all about this new paradigm in business. It's about releasing old stories and expectations and shoulds about what the path to success should look like. And it's tapping into your inner knowing to help you make business decisions. Because when you're able to pair the strategies that just work with the intuitive pings and nudges of what, for some strange reason, you know will work for you, You get to live your life as a rule breaker who gets whatever the fuck she wants. And that's my mission. I want everyone out there to know and really integrate the fact that you can be, do and have whatever the fuck you want and you can do it your way. So that's what it is. That's what it means to do intuitive business. And what would
0: you say intuition is? Because there's a lot of people, at least in my life, that don't really know what intuition is or how to grasp it or use it or even acknowledge it. So what would you say that intuition is?
1: I'd say intuition is a knowing of something without understanding why you know it. Now, there's a lot of different types of intuition. That's that's part of the reason why a lot of people don't understand it. For example, I like to start people off talking about interoception. Have you ever heard of interoception?
0: I actually haven't, so... You want to tell okay, me about so that? This
1: is, yeah. <laughs> this is like a body intuition. So a lot of times, like we just know something and you've probably heard about the different clairs, like Claire audience and Claire. Yeah, whatever, right? yeah. I don't even touch on that. Some, like sometimes because it feels too woo for some people. And I like to work with a lot of practical people and break through that belief of what intuition actually means. So instead interoception is a scientific term that talks about that actual gut feeling or anything in your body that is telling you certain signs and signals. So for example, for me, when I either hear something that's a huge lie or something that it feels very, very true, my left hand twitches, like kind of very obnoxiously. It's up to me to then figure out what that means or which of the two options it is. And when I'm feeling anger or fear, I feel it in my heart space. It's like hidden beneath layers, but I definitely feel it there. And sometimes it takes meditation or um, a workout or some kind of like embodiment practice, like dancing to really feel that. But you start with these little body nudges and they're like the... um, almost like the, the gateway drug to intuition, because they're easier. You can actually explain them a little bit more because if you dive into the science, it makes sense that your nervous system is reacting to all these things going on in your life. And it's, it's literally just your nervous system like pinging you in different places you know? yeah. But then from there, there's like so many other types of intuition. So like I said, there's just that knowing that happens where you just know like something's going to work, something isn't, you know, whether a person is someone who is going to be a good influence in your life or someone who's going to be toxic. We just kind of feel that around people. And for me, I'm very clear audience. So for me, like when I'm speaking or talking or coaching, especially, I'll often say things to my client or to someone that they just start coming out of my mouth. And I am listening to it as I'm saying, and I'm like, I have no idea where this is coming from. So some people, they're like, okay, that's the universe that you're channeling that's working through. And then other people are like, no, it's all these experiences and things that you've picked up that are just in your subconscious mind. There's both sides. You can believe in one or the other or both. It doesn't really matter. The fact is, your intuition is still there. We are all intuitive. We've just been conditioned to not listen to it and not trust it because, well, it doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. It's not something that is really
0: well-known either or... I guess uh, so many people want to just like go a specific direction in life or like we're told to go a specific direction in life and do the motions to get through life. So with intuition, it's like also adapting that not everything is the direction or the way that we want it to go or the way that we were taught it should go.
1: Yeah. And I think there's so many ways to get to the end result that when people start to look for answers of like, how, how, what's the answer to this one thing? How do I do this one thing? It's because I think there's only one direction, but there's endless paths to get to where you want to go. You just have to analyze and see if the path that you're on will actually get you to that end goal.
0: Do you think that people can start blocking
1: themselves from being in tune with their intuition? Yeah. I'd say every single time that you don't listen to your intuition, you're blocking it. How many times have you looked back on something that happened and you're like, "Oh, I knew that was the case. I knew that would happen. So listen to yourself next time, practice with the little things. And then the more you do it, the more you build up that trust muscle.
0: Yeah. And then I also wanted to ask you about second guessing because so many of us, when we have this feeling or yeah, so many of us and like so many people, when they have this feeling will second guess the feeling and then, you know, just like go away from it, ignore it, pretend it didn't happen. So do you have any like comments, I guess, about second guessing and how that plays a toll in like someone's life?
1: Well, let me ask you, have you felt that way? Have you ever looked back and something that you second guess you ended up not taking action on and you look back and you're like, oh crap, that was my intuition.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> Can you give yeah. me an example and I'll walk through it with you? Um now to think of an example. So there's actually there's been a few things when I've like wanted to pursue something and then I've talked myself out of it.
1: Do you want to give us a specific example? now i'm interviewing you now yeah you host you host the podcast now
0: (laughs) no um so i guess one of them was when i was like i really want to pursue i'll go with coaching i really wanted to pursue coaching but then i did the whole i don't think i know enough to coach or i don't have like a i'm like not really specific with who i want to coach so then i was like "Ah, maybe it's not for me
1: so when you had those feelings of like, maybe it's not for me, what were the actual thoughts going through your head about it?
0: I don't know enough that I'm not knowledgeable enough in that like area that people won't like work with me. Those are some of them.
1: Okay. So then when you, I don't know if you can like put yourself back in that space. So let's try body first. So when you were thinking about the idea of coaching, did it make you feel expansive? like? Almost like wanting to up space, or did it make you contract and feel small?
0: It made me feel expansive. Like I was very much like going in the right direction.
1: Okay. So then when you were starting to doubt yourself and that imposter syndrome came up, what were you feeling in your body then?
0: I was like, I'm running away from everything. <laughs> so it was like really like the fear was surfacing in my body, which led me to be very like tense and like stressed and then get overwhelmed and then that usually for me shifts into like tears and sadness and Mm -hmm. just like curling into a ball
1: okay so then when you had those fears and things which are very legitimate right like we feel them it is it is pure like body function sometimes so when you were feeling that was there something else in the back of your mind that was like emily like stop it. You got this. Or like, what are you telling yourself? Like, you know, you can do this. Was there that little voice? And what was she telling you?
0: Yeah. She was, she was basically like you, well, one, it was like, you don't know until you try. So you're stopping yourself from trying. And then two was like, you know, you can do this. It's something that like you want to do in the direction you want to go in. So, you know, like what's happening? Like, why are you doing this? Like you can do it. But then it's like, I ignore it. And then I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. You know, what's going on. Okay. So then what you just described before the whole stopping yourself and saying what's going on, how did you feel just now? Cause you had a smile on your face.
0: Um, I guess just like light. Does that make sense? Like I'm just feeling pretty light flowy in my feels, Great. but like not like the sad feels that you get when you're like mm-hmm. listening to
1: music and you're sad, like, no, I'm just in my feels. Awesome. Okay. So now think back to a moment where you felt so amazing and like things were happening for you. Maybe it was the start of this podcast, like something where you just went for it. Did you have that light feeling? Did it feel like something else? How did you feel?
0: Yeah. So I guess with the podcast, I've had this, I reached out to someone who's like, at least like eight times bigger than I am, 80 times bigger than I am. Yeah. 80 times bigger than I am. I, was, I had to think of the math and I like put myself out there and I was like, Hey, you want to be on the podcast? And they were like, yeah, I'd love to. And I was like, Holy crap. <laughs> this is amazing. And then I was just like really amped up. I was super pumped, super excited. I mean, like I still am obviously, but I felt like very much in my energy and like
1: lit up by everything. Great. So, what were the thoughts going through your head right before that happened? What made you take the jump and actually reach out to them? Oh,
0: well, I was like, if I don't like reach out, then it's like I'm not even trying. And I was like, I might as well reach out and see what's going to happen because there's no like all the worst that they can say is no, like, no, I'm not interested. But in my mind, I'm like, but they're going to be able to like talk and like express themselves. So, there's like a big
1: drive to say yes. Okay. So that's all logic, right? That's all surface level. You're like trying to convince yourself and everything, but often we're trying to convince ourselves to make sense of something that we already know. So is there a deeper level of something that you were internally just knowing and feeling about this person reaching out to them?
0: Well, okay. So I reached out to two people in total. One of them hasn't responded yet, which is fine. But the other one, I, for both of them, I was like, they'll say yes. Like, why, like, why not? And then if like, doubt came into my mind during that I was like but like th- they'll say yes and then when I got the email I was really nervous to open it but then I opened it and they said yes I was like I
1: knew it <laughs> like heck yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, exactly. So you weren't trying to force yourself to be like, this is going to happen. They're going to say yes. Because when we do, that's called manic manifesting. We think if we just get in the mindset of, Oh, I know this is going to happen that suddenly things will, will come to us. But again, that's trying to manifest from your conscious mind. And we manifest from our subconscious mind. So we have to understand what is always present, even when I'm not the, there to like be the logical force behind it. And again, you weren't like doubt still came up. It's not that we're knowing without any doubt at all. It's that when it did, there was still that internal feeling. You can absolutely manifest anything that you want, and we're always manifesting no matter what. But when you can use your intuition, you don't have to force it as much because you already know what's right and wrong for you. Like Even if you want to go manifest something, if it's not for you, it's not going to happen. So instead of just like stressing yourself out and trying to understand why you can't get the results you want learn to tap into your intuition, practice it. And suddenly more creative possibilities were open up to you that are still going to get you to that end result. It might just not look like the way you initially thought it would.
0: Yeah, totally. And then when you talk about the subconscious, can you expand on that a little bit? So the audience is more aware of like what you're saying, because not everyone understands the difference between subconscious and conscious.
1: Yeah. So we basically have three brains. If you didn't know, it's not just one, it's technically true, mm-hmm. And that's even just like a, it's not technically true, but it's kind of a concept that we use to help explain it. So we have like our conscious brain, right? Like the, um, the cerebral cortex where our memories are stored and our prefrontal cortex that makes us human and helps us make decisions on like all these things, right? It's the thing we imagine when we see a brain, like all those convoluted twists and turns and where it just looks brain-like. So that brain is like i said our conscious thinking. So it really helps us make decisions, form judgments, make opinions, um solution oriented, that kind of thing, right? But then we have two more brains beneath that. So we have the limbic brain and then we have the cerebellum. So these are basically the mammalian brain and the reptil- reptilian brain. Now the mammalian brain is all about emotions. So we are always our emotions definitely come into play when it comes to manifestation, right? Like we have to be excited about it. We have to feel good. It's about raising your vibration, right? Mm -hmm. So that's like the next level. And sometimes people get stuck there. They think, oh, if I'm just feeling good all the time, like that's the core aspect of manifestation. But the first key is that you have to pair what that outer brain and that next like mammalian brain. So the human brain and the mammalian brain need to learn to work together. So you need to be able to control your emotions. That comes with practices, like meditations like mindfulness throughout the day like like um i don't know if it's stoicism isn't for you like whatever it is for you that's going to help you connect to your emotions and understand them and straight up be able to control them because we totally can then the deeper layer beneath that is your reptilian brain now this is like the most prehistoric brain that is just helping us survive knowing that it's literally all about survival it's the um as they say like the four f's thing, where it's like um food uh I forget what the middle one is, but food, like friend, the other app, yeah, there's some <laughs> um, more, there's, yeah, yeah, something <laughs> like so. We're always looking for these things. So knowing that, you can take any basic desire or like um, habit that you have and apply it to this. So let's say you are wanting to have a six figure business, okay? Then your consciously you're like, okay, no, I deserve this. I'm worthy of this. I'm doing all the steps it takes. But if your subconscious mind, that reptilian brain is thinking, no, 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 we we do the scary thing, then we don't survive. So we're going to stay exactly how we are right now and not change because it's been working for us so far. We're still alive. So why change anything? Your ego, which is part of your reptilian brain loves that. It does not like change because the ego is your identity. When you change your identity, the ego thinks that it will die. Even though your ego is always going to be present, Mm -hmm. it doesn't know that. It's literally your survival mechanism of like, I will die if things change. So when it comes to making change, we have to do it on that reptilian subconscious level of actually changing our identity. Like the one that things when we are sleeping, when we're doing everything, because we know that 90% of our activities throughout the day, like our habits are all ingrained in our subconscious. Otherwise we'd go crazy trying to make this many decisions in a day. On top of that, 90% of your thoughts from today are the same as the day before. We're literally living on these loops. So if you're just trying to change your conscious mind, your loops are still the same. It's about changing on that identity level and that purpose-driven level. When you can step into a new identity, you can live a new life. You can have new perceptions, new thoughts, new feelings. And from there, you essentially become a new person. Now, I quickly want to touch on something of why investing works, because I think this is really cool. Okay? Okay, yeah, go for it. A lot of people try to make change on the behavioral level or the environmental level. They're like, well, if I, like Nike, just do it, then I'm going to get the results, right? But again, it's our ego there. So if we're saying, okay, I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. every single morning... Then after a few days, you're like, you may be doing it, but after a few days, your ego's like, ah, this feels weird. This isn't who we are. This isn't who I am. Like, no, mm-hmm. we're going to self-sabotage. We're going to go back to our normal patterns because they've been working for us. And that's what happens for a lot of things when you try to implement habits. Not saying it's impossible, but it's definitely a lot more effort going into it, a lot more willpower, et cetera. Yeah. And it's now like when, staying in
0: your comfort zone. Sorry to interrupt. It is. It's like staying in your comfort zone.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Then when we, when we actually make an investment, here's what goes on. You can no longer go back to your old ways because you have this thought of, I am this type of person who spends this much, invests this much, um, makes this much, like attracts this much, etc. Subconsciously, you can make a new decision about that, but subconsciously that's happening. So when you actually make an investment that feels super scary, your identity, your ego is like, whoa, whoa, no, we don't do that. That's not us. Like that's not happening. We don't spend that much money on coaching, on uh, therapy, on whatever it is. Like th- that ain't happening. But the thing is, you can't actually take back that investment. So <laughs> your e- if, you, if your ego says like, one thing, if your identity is associating with this one aspect of who you are, but then you go and do something that's totally different from that, you're going to get cognitive dissonance if these don't line up. Like literally your mind's that you're going to go crazy. So one thing has to give. Now, if the investment can't give, if you can't get that back, you are literally forced to step into a new identity, a new version of yourself and create a new life. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know. I see what you're saying. It's like, Making a commitment, but a
0: commitment that you can't back out of. So you have to continuously show up to that commitment. And that helps you shift and experience new experiences and also transition yourself and like what you're used to.
1: Exactly, exactly. And NLP helps you do that without having to make the huge investments, right? It helps you just change it from a subconscious level. And same as hypnotherapy and time techniques and all these cool things.
0: Yeah, there's so much out there that can help you. I'm reading... um, becoming supernatural right now, which mm-hmm. is, and I'm just at the beginning, there's like so much information to digest, but there is a ton of information out there to help you with this process. Um, but I do think experiencing it with other people can be more beneficial than just like digesting it yourself.
1: Yeah. Because then you're not forced to just do it from like a willpower level. And oh yeah. Yeah. If someone wants to learn like more about Joe Dispenza but doesn't feel like reading that whole book, cause it's cute, because it's kind of huge, Becoming Supernatural is like a big oh book, go on Gaia. You know Gaia, like the, the Netflix of... Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they have um, a series called Rewired by Joe Dispenza, and he breaks it all down. He talks about those three brains that I mentioned in like the very first episode. It's really, really good.
0: I'll have to look into that. I've actually seen the rewired advertisement before and I've been like, keep in mind. (laughs) But then I've been like, for another time because I'm doing something right now because you always see ads at like the weirdest times. So also with the subconscious, I want to talk about like limiting beliefs and having these play a toll in in our intuition and like what we want to like manifest or do or whatever it is. So with limiting beliefs, when these come, well, first of all, how do you, how have you become aware of limiting beliefs and then how have you shifted out of these limiting beliefs or if not you like a client or someone?
1: Okay. Well, when you want to know what's going on in your subconscious mind, including beliefs, you just look at your reality. So if there's something in your reality that you don't love, like maybe it's the amount of money you're making, maybe it's the relationships you're attracting, maybe it's the self thoughts, maybe it's the way your body looks like, whatever it is, you just take a look at your reality and you know what's going on deeper down okay so when you're seeing how you identify limiting beliefs is one staying mindful throughout the day just constantly being aware of your own thoughts emotions as they come up i'm like on year two and a half of this so i'm not saying it comes easily that's why we practice it and um also doing certain practices that will help you uncover them so maybe that's for you like free journaling maybe it is hypnotherapy like whatever it is but i really think that Uncovering the Moon Beliefs comes from just time of seeing like, here's an event that happened, something that I didn't enjoy. Like maybe I got off a sales call and I'm like, oh my God, I was just rambling. I didn't know what I was saying. Like, oh, I felt really like shitty. And then looking back and being like, how did I go into that? What was a belief I had during it? before it afterwards, like as always pitching them, what was going through my head as I was maybe saying my price or, or saying anything. And that's how you start to uncover it. And at first, when you first start practicing this, you might be like, uh, this, I'm not getting anything, but keep going. Like you got this, you will get to the point where it just becomes second nature.
0: Yeah. So let's transition back to, um, intuitive business coaching, because these are all tools that you use while you're coaching and like for your clients. Correct.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I just kind of see what they need. Like no, no coaching, coaching call will ever look the same. And part of it is that I'm using my intuition too, not just using, not just teaching them how to use theirs.
0: Yeah. And it's also like, it's pers- it's more personal because it's like different people with different situations, whatever it may be. So with intuitive business coaching, what have you learned that you like the most about this method of coaching?
1: I think when I see like in a client's eyes or something in the way they're saying, and I'm sensing that either limiting belief or I'm basically sensing the potential of a breakthrough that they're not seeing yet. And I know they're about to get there, but I just don't quite know how. So I just keep asking the right questions. And every time we get just a layer deeper, I can like see the shift and the click happen in their mind. And then eventually we get to the level where it's like, boom, breakthrough. And you see this entire like change in their aura and their face. And they're like, oh my God. And that is the best feeling. Oh yeah. I would imagine that's
0: like, and it must be really, I guess, expansive for you too, because you're helping create this, even though it's like mostly them just like talking through it all, I would say. So with being an intuitive business coach and having this business that you've built what does a like week in your life look like t- to help us see like how this process goes for you throughout the week?
1: Okay, so my weeks are kind of all over the place sometimes, to be honest. So I'm, I'm going to try to explain this in a not all over the place way. Okay. <laughs> um, so I really work... And I say that but I really do batch my days a lot. So like Mondays are my CEO days. Tuesdays are my get shit done days. Wednesdays are my call and interview days. Um, Thursdays is usually my selling days or more calls or more catch up or whatever. And Fridays is really like uh, a check-in and, um, Kind of feeding my business what it needs, like closing in, closing up loops. And um, I do my money day, my weekly money day. I look at my finances really deeply. Um, kind of get back to clients. Sometimes do like random Facebook lives and stuff. So a week in the life is really a lot of planning in the beginning. Strategizing, planning launches—my favorites. Then lots of creation time, like deep work creation time, where I set a four-hour timer and I don't have much of an agenda, but I just kind of share what's on my mind and I tune into what does my audience or my clients need to hear this week. Um, obviously, calls are kind of interspersed, but then Wednesdays is like usually a big call day for me, where I'm like back to back to back, and. Um, I just love them because they fly by too. Because I don't actually have to do any work since coaching doesn't feel like work to me. <laughs> and yeah. then Thursdays. Uh, so it's, I love selling on Thursdays. I love kind of like, again, catching up on things. So I'm like, oh, I want to go create a new email series, like maybe starting new projects, et cetera. And then Fridays are like kind of a wild card of whatever I feel like doing. Sometimes I don't even work on Fridays. So just like the Fridays was really just a what happened the rest of the week
0: kind of day. Like maybe doing stuff, maybe just chillax in, whatever it exactly. may be. So throughout the week, because you're getting so much done. And like, usually I was like a four day time span, would you say sometimes five? Yeah, exactly. So how do you keep yourself on track with all of that? Like, what do you do to help yourself stay on top of everything you need to do?
1: So it's a lot of that discipline that I talked about before, but my favorite self care, and it's also a lot of like, um, beginning with the end in mind and reverse engineering. So I know my goals kind of three years from now, but really a year from now, three months from now, um, a month from now, like I know all these numbers and they change a lot, but it's about just having like an overall kind of blueprints in order to get there. So then if you keep breaking it down, you'll know what you need to do every single week. And then you have to really focus on priorities. So if you have a list of like 10 priorities, guess what? They're not priorities. So I really break it down to like, what are the, if I could get just three things done this week to move me closer to my month goal, that is then going to move me closer to my three month goal, et cetera. What are those three things that I can do? And I make sure that I squeeze them in no matter what, no matter how much time it takes, no matter how much other things fall to the wayside, like posting on Instagram and stuff, obviously not clients because we're always going to be coaching no matter what, but seeing like where I can just make those the priority and whatever day or whatever, wherever my energy is highest. And then from there, it's like the sand that you use to fill in, you know, that analogy with like the rocks and the pebbles and then the sand, the rest of the stuff is just the sand that gets sprinkled in whenever I feel like it, but I monitor my energy first. So it's always about energy prioritization, not just time prioritization.
0: Yeah. And then how do you also stay creative and inspired? Because you talk a lot about creativity and how that's one of the core elements for you. Mm -hmm. So how do you stay creative and inspired throughout the week or just day by day?
1: So something cool I learned in my studies, actually, was that intuition and creativity are like a positive feedback loop, meaning when one gets higher or better, I guess you could say, the other follows and they keep pushing each other to grow more and more and more but you have to trust both of them. So part of being creative is knowing that you don't always have to be in a super aligned space and like feeling super vibey to go write or go do some, you know, create a video or whatever. You become a professional when you just learn to put it out there. You're going to have days when you're feeling super inspired and creative and other days when you're not. But guess what? You've got to put in the work no matter what. It's that whole quote of like, um, I only write when I'm inspired. Luckily, inspiration hits every day at 9 a.m. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. you learn to do that. And then suddenly you get more and more creative insights that come into you again, intuitively, because you're, you're nurturing that intuitive muscle of saying like that idea that you had, we brought it to life. So now let me think of more. Let me give you more. Did that make sense? Yeah. I see what you're saying.
0: It's, um, it's like another practice to have.
1: Yeah. It's about just setting the time in your calendar. Like you really just have to make time for creativity. You can't expect that it's just going to hit at the appropriate times this week when it needs to. But when it says creative block for four hours, you just sit down and you create, who cares if it's terrible? It might be terrible for the first half hour and then it might be amazing. And then other days it's like, okay, maybe you go into that and your energy is super low and you're just completely not feeling it. It's also giving yourself permission to step away when you need to and go do something that's going to nourish you and come back. It's like a balance between the masculine and the feminine energies and knowing that you can't be ever perfect in both. So have the habits, have the practices in place where you're always able to tune into that creativity, but then let it go when you're just not feeling creative either.
0: Yeah, I really like that because there's sometimes where... I have tried to be like, no, I'm going to do this. And then I know that if I force myself to do it in whatever energy I'm feeling, that it's not going to benefit me in any way. And it's going to make me feel worse. So it's really being aware of where my energy is. And if I can shift that, or if I'm in a spot where I really need to just like let myself be with myself and have like a chiller day or do something different and not force myself to be creative or create something when I'm not in the right space to do it.
1: Yeah. you got to just be radically honest with yourself. If like, what is actually going on here? Is it that I'm just like super tired and drained and I need to replenish and revitalize or again, am I self-sabotaging? So you just, it takes practice like anything else.
0: Yeah. So I do want to talk about spirituality because you have talked about manifestation and intuition. Those are spiritual type of things, Mm -hmm. at least to me. So what is your spiritual journey and like, how do you define spirituality for yourself? Because it can be so different for everyone.
1: Yeah. So I'm honestly like a deeply spiritual person, but it's not something I talk about a lot because the way that I go about it is almost like, it's really kind of out there. Like it's kind of Deepak Chopra and like, you know, like the really like internal stuff, not just, Oh, tarot cards and like the woo -woo stuff and whatever. I'm actually less interested in that kind of stuff. And like angels, like I I don't really care because I don't, for me, spirituality is all about energy. So I don't really care what you call it. You can call it source. You can call it consciousness. You can call it God. You can call it whatever. To me, it's all about energy and realizing that that's the oneness within us all. Like we are all energetic beings. And so is this mic I'm talking into. So is the water bottle next to me. So is all of this. You know that when you get zoom in enough that you're just seeing energy between atoms happening. So recognizing that, it's like there is a deeper consciousness of some sort that is I wouldn't even want to say powering all this. Like, I have an issue with people wanting to humanize this consciousness, right? We want to, like, put a person, like, even say, like, she, like, the universe, she. Um, but it to me, it's not about that. It's, like, something deeper. It's, like, every decision that I make, every person I encounter, it's just part of this, this thing that's going on that we can't really explain. And maybe it is a blueprint of some sort. Maybe it's randomness. But no matter what it is, there's something behind it that is powering it all and making it all somehow work together because synchronicities happen. Miracles happen. Like this is all real. and It's just all out there. And it's all about changing your perception to actually see it. So the way that I would define spirituality is really connecting to that greater like consciousness or source or whatever you want to call it in literally whatever way that means to you. So when did you become aware that you were into spirituality? Well, that part of that creativity I talked about as a kid, like that was definitely there. Like I had lucid dreams of me flying and I was able to do that. And yeah, I could control it. It was so fun. And then I remember telling my parents and they were like, oh, that's cool, honey. But I was like, no, no, really? Like I can fly in my dreams and I can control it, like all this stuff. And um, so I'd always been there. And in high school, I started doing yoga and stuff. My mom was always very like, not spiritual necessarily, but like superstitious and all Ukrainians are a little bit superstitious. Yeah. So she like went and saw a psychic one time. And, um, I'm a little bit more like removed from that kind of spirituality because everyone has their own flavor, right. And their own yeah. kind of genre of it. But I always was exposed to those things. So it was just like kind of there, but I got away from it in college. Cause I was like, no science. Like if it's not proven, then it can't possibly be real, which is a hilarious argument that people yeah, make. For because real. <laughs> if, you, if you ask someone a hundred years ago, what's true? Like science has not proven a lot that we know for sure it's true now. So it's a silly argument. Um, so I got kind of far away from that. And then actually what happened, I'm just remembering this now is that in my last full semester of college, so before, like I had like a summer semester too, but in my last really full semester, I had a crazy amount of finals and studying to do for it. And people say your senior year is supposed to be easy. Mine was not. I had like biochem and like all crazy stuff like that. And it was definitely hard, Um, it was a lot of red bull a lot of adderall and no I don't have a prescription So it was like kind of just not doing great things to my body And three or four weeks of that straight like lots of all-nighters Lots of just pushing and pushing and then sleeping lots and then not eating properly and just quickly eating an energy bar or something and then after that I thought I was just burnt out, but I really just had really, really bad adrenal fatigue, like terrible, where I'd wake up with so much energy at like 6am sometimes, crash by 9am, wake up again at like noon or one, crash by 6pm, get a huge wave of uh, energy at like 9pm and work until like 1 or 2am and then not be able to sleep. And it was this continuous cycle. And I was like, oh my God, I feel so out of my body. I feel like I don't know who this vessel is. And it's just nothing felt right. So from there, I actually found, um, you know, Sahara Rose. Yeah. Yeah. I found her podcast because I literally went to the podcast app. I was already listening to like businessy and personal development podcasts. I just typed in of fatigue because <laughs> I actually <laughs> didn't get diagnosed and like you guys definitely should, but I kind of use my scientific prowess to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I typed that in and Hertz was the first one to pop up and it was like how, to, how I cured my adrenal fatigue. So I started listening to it and I was like, okay, cool. I got some advice, started implementing a lot of the things amongst all these other like self-care and health practices. But because I liked it, I kept listening. And her podcast at the time was all about Ayurveda, which I love now. And all about like, goddesses and things like that. And I was like, this is really cool. Like, this is interesting. And because, you know, when you listen to a lot of podcast episodes, you get introduced to a lot of other podcast hosts and other people to follow. Yeah. So it was like this expansion of like my network, we'll say, even though they have no idea who I am, but in my mind, they're my best <laughs> friends. So, <Yeah. laughs> I'm just taking in all the information and starting with basic things like, yeah, meditation, like maybe I'll, um, I mean, a few months into that i think i like tried this one kind of more funky meditation i think it was like a full moon meditation where it was about like chanting and whatever and i went out of it i was like that was weird but it was really fun i kind of want to do it again and it just slowly developed from there and i slowly got more comfortable with things like oral oracle cards and like all these other things and kundalini was probably like the thing that i'm most into that's out there um and it's constantly developing and it's funny to look back and think like oh yeah i knew what I was talking about. Like I knew about my perception of this and it turns out it was just very surface level. And each time that I think about it more that I discover something new, it's like you go deeper and deeper and deeper. And I just can't wait to see what else I uncover and realize within myself.
0: Yeah, totally. And there's two things. So one, chanting and like, opening up your throat chakra is so empower, um, so powerful and empowering whenever I do it. I just feel so elevated after I do it. And then the other one is I've realized that not everyone, but a lot of people hit these rock bottoms and then they find spirituality or whatever their um, understanding of spirituality is. And then they're able to help like slowly push themselves out of it or get themselves out of it or whatever it may be. I see that as a common theme with, uh, at least a few people that I've talked to recently where like, they had this like really low, low, including myself. I had like this very low, low, and then I was able to start shifting myself out of it and becoming more spiritual and spirituality doesn't have to like be a certain definition or look a certain way. Cause it's so individual for everyone. So with your spirituality, do you have any personal practices that you do every week?
1: Yeah. Can I touch on rock bottoms real quick though? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. Go for it. I just, I find them so fascinating because I've been in a few in my life, probably nothing too crazy, but I remember this one actually when I was in probably my sophomore year of college and I was like kind of a partier, but I didn't actually resonate with it. I just thought that's what everyone did. So like that, that's the I've only way you know had to have two friends. Yeah. yeah. So this one time I just got like super drunk at a bar and, um, ended up like getting dropped off at my apartment, but I like couldn't find the right one. So I just like sat outside of like some apartment building and just like started bawling. And, um, eventually like I was able to reach my roommate after calling her like 40 times and then she like let me in, but I just remember feeling so, so low. And at first, like I didn't, I just like, was so afraid of that feeling. Like I almost got traumatized by that experience. But now looking back and in, um, In this like session, I like this hypnotherapy session I did, I remember looking back and realizing that that actually shifted something within me. It helped show me that the path I was on wasn't actually leading me to where I want to go. So it's like the universe or something, maybe my subconscious mind, just like knocked me right out of it and put me back on the right path. Sometimes that requires a lot of scary things. Sometimes for people, it's losing their job or maybe even a family member passes away. And it's really just understanding that like there is something greater going on So trust your experiences trust the rock bottoms and allow them to throw you back on the right path Like be thankful for them and use that time to dig deeper. See what was actually going on there Why you hit that rock bottom? What were the thoughts and beliefs and maybe like limiting patterns that were taking place? And then what was your other question?
0: Um, if you had any Personal like spiritual practices that you like to incorporate every day or every week that help you
1: Yeah, okay so, daily I do meditation. I've been wanting to get into TM or Vedic or something like that, but right now I just do mindfulness meditation. So, I put on some binaural beats. I um, just like sit quietly for 15 minutes and I really tune in and kind of just watch my thoughts, my body. Yeah, so, not guided? Sometimes guided, but yeah, not usually. I prefer it silent. I started out with guided for probably about a year, maybe even a year and a half, just using headspace until I learned to do it myself. And I find that when I don't have someone talking to me, I can go deeper and kind of like hit new realms and stuff. Not always. Oh, totally same
0: for me. Cause sometimes like what people are saying, I'm, I like, I'm doing something in my subconscious and then someone says something and I get out of it and I'm like, no, <laughs> like I was somewhere. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's just like a constant. Um, I've been doing a lot of breath work lately. I actually have a lot of chronic pain sometimes in my back. And that's the only thing like every morning it just gets me out of chronic pain completely. It's all about like really? releasing. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like I've, cried sometimes doing it often doing it and you get this like whole body tingly feeling so you might not think that's i guess that's in a way like more about health than spirituality but to me it feels very very spiritual because i'm literally just releasing everything here and getting back to my true nature i've experienced
0: that in kundalini like the tingly and then like (laughs) me crying (laughs) (laughs) it's very like empowering and you release so much during it
1: hmm So speaking of kundalini, like I do the harm meditation hard meditation daily, you know, yes. so then, yeah, just like three minutes and think crazy, but I do tune in with the Ong namo and I end with the Sat Nams and the songs and everything. Um, and then, so those are like my three daily, but it's, it's more so about what happens in between those moments. Those are just practices to help us remember to tune in and how to do it. But it's really about like any moment that happens. So let's say you get cut off in traffic. How long can you make the pause between action and reaction. How long can you extend that awareness that you have going on? How long can you do that after like someone triggers you after like your partner says something to you and you're like, how dare they? And you just tune in and pause and recognize what's going on in yourself. So those are like the daily practices. But then I also love, like I said, Oracle cards. I love doing a cacao ceremony. Oh my God. Nothing Uh, is more heart opening. Yeah. Um, I, before we hopped on here, I was telling you about the class, which I love doing now. And that feels like a spiritual workout to me because there's again, so much release and you're just like, Oh, and you actually make noises during it and stuff. Um, I love Kundalini, my studio around here closed. I've been searching for a new one once this whole pandemic's over. Um, I don't know what else, just so many little things that I encounter sometimes and I do for a little bit and then I release them. I kind of just take what I'm feeling, take what comes to me, see what's in my sphere. And when I'm no longer feeling line with it, I just let it go.
0: Yeah, totally. I really like how it's a lot of like tuning inward in the morning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because that's such a powerful time to tune inward and not like look at your phone and social media or whatever it is and really just focus on yourself. Mm-hmm. So, what is a fun fact about you that not many people would know about?
1: Well, I did rhythmic gymnastics for like oh, I think like 7 years and I did it heavily like I um which I, I think is part of where the discipline came from early on. Because I was literally doing four-hour practices four times a week. And two of those four hours were just straight-up conditioning. Like lots, like 200 (laughs) push-ups, crazy stuff. And I competed. So I was actually really good. I was like number three in the country for my age group and number one in my state, Florida. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's so exciting. Um, What is your sun, moon, and rising in your human design?
1: Okay, so sun, Virgo. Moon, Capricorn, rising, Libra, which I definitely resonate with. Um, some, not always the Capricorn moon, but now that like I'm loving more of what I'm doing in my business, I definitely see that because I am kind of like, get shit done, even though I'm very hard on myself because I'm a Virgo. Um, but luckily that Libra rising puts me in a little bit more balance. That's what I was thinking. I was like, that yeah. balance. <laughs> People always tell me, oh, I thought you were a Libra. I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and uh, human design. So I'm a manifesting generator. I have emotional authority and I'm a one four profile and I love human design. It's probably like my favorite modality for understanding myself because I think that it's such a core level of how you actually operate. And it's a little bit like astrology to me feels like it's ever changing, but human design is like specific personal things of how you make decisions Mm -hmm. and how you move through the world. And, um, I have like, kind of, I say like my own personal human design reader, but it just mean that we have calls like twice a week where she reads me specific things and specific energies that going on and what I'm dealing with and helps me solve problems. And it's been amazing. Like I feel like I've never known myself more deeply.
0: Yeah. I I agree with human design because lately I've been learning more about human design for me, like my chart, and I'm so much more interested in it than astrology. Like I am interested in astrology, but I feel like right now I relate to my human design way more. I'm a manifesting generator as well. I'm an emotional authority and I'm a one five. So, nice. okay. What's the five lines. You remember? I don't remember. I'm okay. still like learning more about it. So I, I can't answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, really, really love human design. So how are you going to put love and care into yourself for the rest of the day?
1: Ooh, well, after my loving and caring morning routine, let me think. Um, well for me, like a huge practice I have is cooking. And I love cooking. And I do it sometimes for like two hours just because it's so much fun to me and really gets me in my feminine at the end of the day when I've been in my masculine for the entire day and like doing stuff. So I'll probably cook dinner. I mean, you're inspiring me to want to take a bath because I mentioned it earlier. So I might do that. Ooh, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll throw on a face mask or something. Who knows? I <laughs> have a very relaxing time tonight though, regardless. yeah, That's what it seems sure. like.
0: Yeah. So what's a quote saying or piece of advice you want to leave the listeners with?
1: I'm not good at coming up with quotes on the spot. That's fine. So I'll leave you with a piece of advice. (laughs) And it's actually what I said earlier, like that you can be, do, and have whatever the fuck you want and you can do it your way. And just trust your intuition and those things that you know are happening within you or are happening for you. And take action on them because the worst thing that can happen is that you figure out that that wasn't right for you. Love that. And was there anything else you wanted to mention before we end today's episode? I just want to tell every, cause I don't, I'm sure this is coming out pretty soon and I, we're all, I want this to be evergreen, but we're all still in this pandemic and things are going on and just listen, like you're held and you are loved and understood. And like, I see you and whatever it is you have going on right now, it is for something greater. It is going to put you on this like amazing path and you're going to learn so much and uncover so much. And you don't have to have any expectations for yourself or this time period right now. You don't have to do the personal design, development. You don't have to go start something and you can do whatever you want again, but you're going to get out of this. You're going to survive. You're going to end up being so much better. And you're going to be able to share the stories that you experienced during this time, years down the line and make it just part of your amazing journey.
0: I love that. That was very motivational too. <laughs> Thanks.
1: So where can people find you? Yeah. So you can find my business page at daria.knish, D-A-R-Y-A dot K-N-Y-S-H. And I know you're going to link it because no one knows yeah, how to spell yeah. it. It's going to be in the show notes. Um, yeah. So I'm big on my Facebook group right now. You know, I love hanging Mm -hmm. out in there. It's so much fun. It's all like insanely high vibe people. So you can find the Wild Creative Community by Daria Knish on Facebook, or just go to bit.ly slash the Wild Creative Facebook, or FB, but you'll like that too. You can, um, so the blog isn't launched yet, but if you just go to bit.ly slash the Wild Creative, you'll be able to get on the wait list and get some fun bonuses. And um, the, the Wild Creative on Instagram, for my new page that i just started for that i was like i've never heard of that one before i know (laughs) (laughs) that's so exciting and please dm me and let me know like anything that you experienced during this episode because i love chatting with people in my dms it is so much fun so come tell me what your biggest breakthrough was and let emily know too obviously and i want to chat we can start a group chat with us
0: That'd be so fun. Yeah, I'm totally down for that. I back that. (laughs) So so thank you for being on the podcast today. I had a lot of fun. We talked about so much and I learned so much more about you. So it was really exciting. So thanks for being on.
1: Thank you so, so much for having me. This was a blast and I love talking to you.
0: Yeah, no problem. And with that being said, bye everyone. Bye guys all right everyone thank you so much for listening to today's episode and i really hope you enjoyed this podcast episode as much as i did i challenge you all this week to really step into your power and step into your intuition you know she gave some awesome tips in the episode and really feel that out especially when she was coaching me she really showed you how to tune in more to the feeling of intuition and to the feeling of your power which is the way i interpret intuition is like your hidden power so i challenge you all this week to to tune into your intuition. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on my Instagram, my blog, my Facebook. They're all linked in the show notes as well as all of Daria's socials. So go check her out, join her Facebook group, follow her Instagram. She puts out some killer content and you do not have to be interested in business or starting your own business to benefit from the content. I would absolutely love it if you rated and reviewed the podcast. Tell me what you took away from this episode. Tell me what you got from this episode. Tell me how it made you feel and leave it in a review. It'd mean the absolute freaking world to me. Again, I want to thank Daria for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure to have her on. And again, if you had any takeaways at all, tag Daria, tag me, share it on Instagram like hit up our DMs and let us know what you got from this episode and what really stuck with you because it was an amazing jam-packed episode. She knows so much. She has so much knowledge. She's so, so smart. So I am so happy that I was able to interview her. So thank you, Daria, for being on my podcast and allowing me to really pick your brain a little bit. With all that being said, I cannot wait to chat with you all soon and I'll talk to you all next week. Bye everyone.